Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Three on a Meat Hook and Deranged. That's gotta be a big meat hook. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Yeah, our friend Ian does the Talk Without Rhythm podcast and does some stuff sometimes with the guy from the projection booth. And uh, somehow they're doing. They did a commentary for John Carpenter's The Thing, that is going to be released on the Arrow special edition version that's coming out next month. That's fucking cool. Yeah. So I was like, Ian, stop being awesome. You make the rest of us look bad. Proud, proud of you, Ian. We all love you. He doesn't listen. We'll just be over here accomplishing nothing. Yes. Yes, you know what our big accomplishments are for this week? We watched two movies that were inspired by Ed Gein. I watched I watched Brain Dead twice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you guys didn't want to watch it. This is you had to watch it twice. He <laughs> watched it once for each of us. Well, I watched it once and then was talking to another friend of mine and like describing a couple of the scenes and he's like, Oh well I gotta watch that and I was like, We should watch it right now. <laughs> The guy's like, I was just trying to be nice, and now I can't say no. I don't, that that veiny eel uh, brain eating blowjob scene is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's fair. That's a reasonable statement. That doesn't make it a good movie. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm saying it's an entertaining <laughs> movie, which to me makes it a good movie. We're back to the same debate. Like, like, we have every like I said, it, as long as I use the preface to me, your opinion is completely irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, I now, love somebody in the group said that, man, Noah likes a lot of shitty movies. And Noah had to stick up for himself like, how dare you, sir? I love a lot of shitty movies. <laughs> Never deny it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, all right. Should we get into uh, this week's movies? Absolutely. That was sort of suggested by Doug because he had a movie he wanted to watch that he's owned for like 10 years. 
Which one was it? Was it three on the meat hook or deranged? Did we lose Doug? Doug? Doug! <laughs> Doug! Doug! No! Doug! <laughs> Poor Doug. Well, since Doug's fixing his stuff, maybe we should just make up the story of why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know he bought three on a meat hook, and he's been wanting to watch it, and he's had it for like 10 years. Oh. So we sort of teamed it up with another Ed Gein-inspired movie. That is a that is a long time to wait for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll save three on a meat hook for when Doug gets back. But uh, I guess let's talk about Deranged. Um. So, do we want to just go into it while he's figuring shit out? Yeah. Okay. No, he may may never come back. Do you want to do the uh, thing for it, or do I want to do the thing for it? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't don't give a shit. Doug leaves. We can't come up with a uh, consensus. Right? Um, (laughs) No third film. He's an outlier. No. Uh, No, I'll do it. Um, So, 1974, Deranged, sometimes also called Deranged Confessions of a Necrophile. Um, look, this is probably the most straightforward uh, adaptation of Ed Gein's story that I've ever seen. Yeah, with with the exception of the movie that is simply entitled Ed Gein. Yes. Because <laughs> that way they didn't have to change like any sort of names or anything. Yeah. Um, so it's literally uh, a guy's mom dies and he uh, digs her back up has her at home, talks to her all the time, starts feeling like to sort of reconstitute her physical form, he needs to go get fresh corpses and use the flesh to sort of give her a body. And then eventually graduates to killing women and doing it that way and just goes all around nutso. Blatantly uh, exposing himself multiple times in front of people. Oh yes, and then being too dumb to take the hint. Oh yeah, that's. Um, I was just listening to a podcast called Inside Psycho last week, which I just discovered, but apparently it was very popular at the beginning of the summer. Um, and it's sort of just like a retelling of how the movie Psycho came about. So the first two episodes are. Essentially, just talking about Ed Gein. Um, and yeah, I didn't never realize that he basically told everybody that he had been killing women, and they're all just like, Oh, Ed, you're so weird. And then, yeah, like, yeah, quit, never quit, really thought about it. Quit making those jokes. Yeah, those are bad jokes. And he's like, Oh, okay. And that literally happens in this movie. Oh my god, the scene where he's like, she ain't missing, I got her up at my place. Yeah. With, with my mom and that missing other lady. <laughs> yeah, and the dude's just like, stop making jokes like that. That's not funny. Alright. That's sort of the end of it. I'm just like, really? Like, nobody thought maybe we should check out this weird guy may have people up at his farm? <sighs> So yeah, so the movie's pretty much presented the Ed Gein story, but then they add in this like journalist character who's sort of your Greek chorus for the movie. I kind of like it. It kind of makes it uh, feel a little bit like a, like a newscast or a documentary. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't super fond of it. Um, just felt like it was... 
part of the problem is I feel like a lot of the acting was very much community theater acting. Um, and then the, the having the the reporter at the foreground of everything sort of doing exposition very much made it feel like a play. Yeah, I would say with the exception of uh, oh, what's his name? The guy, the guy who actually played uh, Gene uh, Surrogate. Pulled it up. Robert Blossom. Robert Roberts. Blossom. Robert Blossom did an amazing job. Yeah, he was good. Uh, the mom, his mom, I thought was a little on the nose. The <laughs> well, yeah, a little over the top. And then everybody else just didn't seem to follow suit with sort of the uh, the bigger acting that they really needed to do for a movie. Uh, did you know that Christopher Walken auditioned for the role of Eddie? I did. There was somebody else too. I don't remember. Oh, uh, Harvey. Um, oh, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, that would have been fucked. Um, how did you feel about I have been them using killing people? They, they use a lot of like hymn music for the soundtrack to this movie. Was, I, I thought it was interesting because it like it uh it's jarring mm. because it doesn't fit, but but that in a way works. If that makes sense. Oh, totally. At first, I was like, I'm not sure I like this, but as the movie went on. I actually thought that doing that was actually a really cool like idea because a lot of uh, the strife between him and his mom, if you would call it that, I guess there was just lots of, you know, don't bring whores around here sort of mentality from her. So a lot of that strife comes from her being apparently very religious. And so she sort of sheltered him as a young child. And that's what's caused him to be, such a weirdo and whatever else. It's also a little uh, unnerving that the one good bit of nudity in the movie is the like deer butchering scene. Oh my god! In, in which you're like, "Hey, a chick hanging upside down. Ah, I see a butt. I see some boobs. Oh god! Oh, oh god! Knife, <laughs> oh. knife in the belly. Knife in the belly. No. <laughs> oh, he's he's gotten her. Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, also the uh, the 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 bar chick, yeah, that he's got tied up in the house in that very Texas Chainsaw Massacre scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, she was supposed to be nude during all that, mm-hmm. and once she got on set, she decided everything was too creepy and she didn't want to take her clothes off. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out the same year, but that dining room scene seemed very reminiscent of each other. Yeah, they really are very similar. Yeah. Yeah, that's why uh, filmmakers, you always film all your nude scenes first so that uh, if your actress decides she's not going to do it, you can recast her without having to reshoot the entire movie. Yeah. And we should also bring up the uh, seance scene. Oh, that was so weird. Which is one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever watched in my entire life. I love grotesque weird horrible stuff and that made me so uncomfortable watching it i was like stop stop doing the voice (laughs) yeah yeah they do this weird seance because he i don't remember how do they get set up somebody i thought set them up that 
they should go out or something. Uh, it's it's one of the best lines of the movie. Uh, the the Kuntzes, the family that he hangs out with. Oh, yeah. The guy saying, "Well, my wife thinks you should get hitched, and that's that." And then the wife's like, "Well, you should get with a nice girl." And he's like, "No, I don't like girls. I don't trust them." And then they're like, "Well, what about this one?" He goes, "Oh yeah, well I trust her." And they're like, "Why?" And he's like, "Cause she's fat." <laughs> <laughs> you can you can trust a fatty. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it was weird because uh, they call him Cobb in this movie. Uh, he's the Ed Gein surrogate, um, Ezra Cobb. He essentially was doing like odd job work for this family that he sort of befriended. And he's out there working on like a tractor or something. I don't know. The husband's out there and the wife comes out. And you can see they're standing on either side of him. And the wife's like mouthing like, hey we need to have a conversation and you need to talk to him about this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, hold on. Even to the point they like have to go off to the side and have like a silent argument about it and everything. It was, yeah. it was so weird. Hey, Doug's back. Can you actually hear me talking? Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So Doug, what did you think of the seance scene? <laughs> there was a seance scene? It deranged. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, How could you forget that? It's it's burned into my brain. I forgot that what was happening there was a seance. Yeah. Um, it does go from being a seance to being one of the weirdest sex scenes ever. Well, well it goes from, like, speaking to the dead to channeling, and, and that's where it goes off the rails. Yeah, but let's be fair. The movie was off the rails well before that scene even started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this is just one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen in my life, and that scene actually made complete sense to me in the context of this film. It was just such a weird take on everything um, that when they decided they're going to do a seance, I'm just like, all right, go with it. And make I mean, her a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything about that is bizarre. Like. When he shows up, isn't she wearing like a wig at the beginning of the seance too? Yes. And yes. it's like, what the fuck? Like, why is she wearing a wig? I don't understand. Why is there a seance happening at all? I don't understand. Is it? Why is like Ed Gein's character playing along with this? Like, what's his end game here? And then when it starts to turn into this weird, bizarre sex scene, I'm just like, I don't. This is not what I anticipated happening. Like, and okay, so. They're playing uh, that this. They're playing, I guess, trying to make it see, just seem awkward with all the non-sex that's happening. And then all of a sudden, he's got a gun with him. <laughs> that I still reasons. Don't, yeah, like yeah. it's like what was it? What did, was his it did happen goal? with Wisconsin. So that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, like, what was like what was his goal in going over there? Was it always to kill her? And all this other stuff is just periphery stuff that just extra well, he was going over to kill her we thought we'd throw in a weird seance or was he going over there to have sex there that then why'd he bring a gun i don't understand i know that halfway through that scene was the only time in the entire movie where i was like okay she deserves to die just kill her kill her please yeah. <laughs> oh she certainly wasn't she wasn't like a sympathetic character like no she was like what it's like if I understand the motivations of her character correctly, she believes she can speak to her husband who's dead, 
but she's willing to fake that he's there in the room just to convince other men to have sex with her because she's too fat to get laid otherwise. Is that what I'm to understand? The, the basis I, I, of that character? I was going to say, I don't, I don't think she does believe she can. I think that's just you think a that was weird, manipulated thing that she was doing. So she was just like really thinking on her feet in the scene where he says, like, I talked to my mom. And she's just like, I talked to my husband. Like, that was all just on the fly. <laughs> that's why she thinks you have to wear a wig during a seance. Is it's... Possibly. I mean, I, that makes as much sense as my explanation. Um, and I, in the, again, in the context of this movie, that's as much sense as most things make. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say all, all in all, dinner scene's my favorite scene of all. I, I really sure. like it, especially the part where he picks up the drum and the femur, and he's beating it, and like then he's explaining like where the femur comes from and <laughs> how he made the drum. And... Uh, yeah. One thing they get really right in this movie, and that's the best example of it, is just showing how nuts he is because he just doesn't understand that it's not appropriate. Like it's yeah, he, he legitimately doesn't understand why she wants out of that room. It's like, well, you're seated at a table with several dead bodies, <laughs> and he's now going to provide musical interlude using a femur and a drum made out of somebody's belly. And it's like, ah, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Uh, we were discussing before you got back on how he pretty much also has no problems just talking about the fact that he's been killing women. Yeah, and nobody really takes him seriously. It's just like, it's like, oh yeah, she's not missing. I got her up at the house with my mom, and the other lady was missing. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's just like, Ezra, you're weird. Stop making jokes. <laughs> you got a real dark sense of humor, man. It's so strange, doesn't it? Like, like you, I watch this and then I flip it off, and it's like this weird Harvey Weinstein stuff is going on. And it is this strange, like, oh, yeah, like, when people know fucked up shit is going on, they're able to just block it out. So that, right. I, I guess that's just what happens. People just know yeah. fucked up shit is going on, and they just go, all right, well, we'll just pretend we don't know that, because it's really inconvenient to know that. Yeah, and I also thought the weirdest part about this movie is, uh, it, and this loses some effect because it pretty much is a true story, is, is that it all comes off very believable, like, you believe there really could be some weird, creepy dude living in a house that just nobody goes to visit him, and it's filled with femurs and belly drums. And... Yeah. Well, I think even if, even, I don't know exactly how true this story is, but it's we know that something... Much, like, pretty much yeah, dead it's, on. It, it's, we know, like, this happened, so... Of course it seems believable when it happens in a movie. I don't know if it would be believable if you hadn't if you didn't know that it had happened this closely. Well, but arguably like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based off of the same guy and it comes off not believable. Well, yeah, but it's I'm I'm just saying it, they do a really good job of uh impressing on you the reality of it, if that makes no. sense. Which is really weird because nothing in the movie seems realistic. Like the bodies don't really look realistic. Apparently, they're made out of plastic skeletons covered in painted cotton, and then the skin is just paper mache. 
Uh, the paper mache was the part I could guess from watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes sense. It's on the outside, but it, it like it is weird that like you say, nothing seemed natural in this movie. Um, the weirdest, like one of the weirdest things in the whole movie for me was the scene where the the guy he works for and his wife want him to start meeting women, and they like when when the wife's trying to convince the husband, and they go off and have like a private conversation. And they walk like three feet away from them and they're just mouthing but not actually making any noise so it looks like they're having a private conversation. And it looks like a scene out of a high school play. Like we want there to be a private conversation between these two characters. Go stand off to the side by two and a half feet and we'll pretend that you're so far away nobody can hear you. Brian actually just made the same point that it's very, uh, yeah, that it's very uh, stage theater. It's weird because there are other moments in this film um, that are really well shot, and they really use the exterior space that they're in well. Um, probably the best example is towards the end when they, when the, the sheriff or whoever and the other guys pull up to the farm, and they kind of you get that one shot from behind the car, and they're all getting out, and you can see the body hanging in the door of the of the uh, barn, barn where yeah. it's where it's he's basically in there butchering the human body and that shot is fantastic it looks like a poster out of a, uh, that you would hang that not where people could see it it's <laughs> body. but it's it's a fantastic shot and you're thinking like the same people who pulled off that shot couldn't they didn't know that fil- in filmmaking you could have these people go behind another door and just cut to them inside <laughs> having a conversation <laughs> like or just skip, pull the camera back and have them be 10 feet away instead of 2 feet away it's yeah. so strange uh, yeah, I was commenting that yes, a lot of the acting seems very community theater, um, but we thought yeah. uh, the guy that played Ezra Cobb actually did a really good job. Um, I actually agree. And the uh, sort of the they got this journalist character who pops up that we I would point it out as feels like sort of like the Greek chorus, like he's there to do exposition. So that's yeah. why that's why it feels sort of play like to me because you have him sort of there. And we're like, and this is when Ezra blah 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 started grave robbing or whatever. Was yeah. was I the only person that thought he looked suspiciously like Jermaine uh, from Flight of the Concords? <laughs> I didn't think about that, but when you pointed it out, it does make sense. <laughs> I just kept wondering if the journalist was evil, because this movie was made in like the 70s, and in the 70s and 80s, half the time journalists were evil. Movies and television, so... Um. Yeah, this is pretty dead on to the Ed Gein story, to the fact that he killed uh, uh, a waitress at a bar he used to frequent, and then uh, the one that got him killed was killing a girl that worked at the hardware store. Yeah. Uh, which they play out in this movie, too. Yeah. Apparently, originally, they tried to actually shoot this in Ed Gein's hometown, and yeah. the town was like, absolutely not. They were like, we've had too much press over this. We don't want it. Go away. So then they just tried to shoot generically in Wisconsin. And I guess the whole state of Wisconsin was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, they probably don't really like being known as the no. Indian state. We, uh, last year when we went, because we, uh, me and some friends go to a cabin. It's like this campground every year and just watch horror movies and stuff. And uh, so we decided on the way home last year we're going to stop in Plainsfield and stop at the at the Ed Gein farm. Um, and we're like, uh, so 
I'm sure we're just gonna have to figure out where it's at by like online details. Because I'm sure us stopping at a gas station saying, "Hey, do you know where Eggie's Farms at?" is probably not going to go over well in this town. So we uh, instead you pull up; they've got Edging T-shirts, <laughs> hats, hats yeah. made out of faux human skin. Yeah, there was there was none of that in Plainfields, Wisconsin. <laughs> so we stopped, and all like all there really is is like a gate that leads onto the property because there's nothing on the property anymore. So we just got our picture taken in front of the gate and then drove into town and found like sort of the landmarks of like, oh, this is where the hardware store used to be and this is the bar you used to hang out at. But yeah, they don't they don't necessarily celebrate Ed Gein around those parts. Well, that doesn't surprise me because no. my girlfriend made me find the full house house when we were in San Francisco. <laughs> and they don't want you to get taking pictures of that. They've, they've intentionally planted trees and put up gates so you can't bug those people. <laughs> now, dare I say, Ed Gein has a worse reputation than the town. Oh, yeah. So. Not, not much. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how many bodies little Michelle piled up before that show was over. There's a reason she's not on the new show. Um, yeah, I heard that about the uh, Breaking Bad house, too. They just had to put a gate up. Well, that's because people keep putting pizza on the roof. <laughs> people keep throwing pizzas on the roof of the garage. People are assholes, man. <laughs> like, like you know, you know, actual people live in that house. So they probably don't want you throwing pizzas up there. You can't, you can't just go around throwing pizza at people's houses. I think that's an unreasonable <laughs> expectation, no matter how big a fanboy you are. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, so I guess overall, how did we feel about this movie? Like, I wasn't, like, in love with it, but I enjoyed it enough that I would tell people to see it, but, like, I'll probably never, ever watch it's it a, again. I'd say it's a, it's a solid recommend. I mean, if you like uh, serial killer portrait movies, I mean, that's that's what this is, and it does it competently. What about you, Doug? Yeah, I, like, I agree with basically what both of you guys are saying, which is that it's pretty well done. It's... It is a like it's a good retelling of the story. I'm not really sure why they bothered to change the names and stuff. Um, if they're still because Ed Gein was still alive when okay. this yeah. film was made. All right, yeah. so they were just scared of him. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, I think I think technically he could have sued them for using his likeness and stuff. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Although people would have been like, "Really, Ed?" Really, that's what you're worried about right now? It's one of those things where if this is an accurate portrayal of the guy, then he wasn't going to be suing anybody. That's this <laughs> this guy was not capable of. Well, plus, if he was still alive, then a lot of the families of the victims that, were probably still pretty fresh. That that might be what it was. Maybe it was out of yeah. respect slash not wanting to get sued by them. But anyways, overall, like I thought this was a good movie. I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was absolutely bizarre. I mean, it's an AI movie, and those movies have always those those seventies American international pictures always have the certain aesthetic to them, which is a little campy and a little strange. And it was very bizarre to watch this subject matter handled by that company to see that same aesthetic that is applied to like food of the gods or the island of dr murrow to then turn around and have that be 
applied to a guy digging up his mom's body. And I mean, that's that's why you get a paper mache body, and that's why you get this weird thing, these weird scenes of him like almost dancing around, showing off of his prizes of things he's made. Is it's so yeah. weird, and it's like you know, this came out the same year as Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something, which has a dinner scene that is not that different from the dinner scene in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's so much more like offensive to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like you it feels so much dirtier and it's because things look more realistic and because things don't feel campy. This one is, it's strange because you could easily watch this. You can almost watch this with kids and they would just be like laughing at the bodies and stuff. And then when you told somebody what you showed a child, they'd freak out. They'd be like, what you showed a kid movie with that plot. It's like, yeah, but they wouldn't be weird. They wouldn't be that disturbed by it. I don't think. I don't know. It's got. It does have scenes in it that are very unnerving, though. I, I definitely think when it gets to most of the stuff involving the girl from the hardware store, that stuff, like the chase scene through the woods, certainly once she's been killed, the, the stuff with her body being hung out to butcher and stuff, I think is all much darker than the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I was saying earlier, that's the first bit of nudity you get too. So you're like, oh, hey, nudity. Oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah. I, that's, I mean, that's the thing. If people haven't seen this movie, they should understand. It's not like an exploitation film. There no. isn't a lot of gore. There isn't a lot of nudity. Despite the fact that there are dead bodies on camera a lot, they're not. Like, again, with the exception of that last girl, most of the bodies never really look realistic enough that you're. You don't get that uneasiness that you would normally expect when you're staring at a table full of dead bodies. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Happy Birthday to Me, there's lots of examples of like dinner scenes with dead bodies propped up at the table. This is like the least un- unnerving one that I've ever seen. And it's the one where bodies are being picked up and thrown at each other at people. So you would think yeah. that that would make it more unnerving, but it really doesn't have that impact. Yeah, we were talking uh, Texas Chainsaw. Came, like This came out the same year as Texas Chainsaw. So we were just kind of like, eh, baffles not the right word, but just the fact that they both had like dinner scenes and how creepy they were, we thought was just crazy. It's really like you would assume that these movie, this movie is a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre if it didn't come out at the same time. Yeah, like it's so strange that they're so similar in so many ways. Um, and how did you feel about the the? Uh hymnal music is sort of the soundtrack for the movie. Again, I think that all just played into the bizarre atmosphere that existed yeah. throughout this movie. And it like it didn't bother me. It didn't stand out as strange to me. But I think that's because everything was strange. So, sure, why wouldn't you have that? Yeah. I didn't know if they were trying to play up. Because you can imagine, like, nowadays, somebody making this movie and playing up the religious angle and the fact that the the religious oppression is what kind of drove him to this or something like that. I didn't know if they were maybe hinting at that and just decided not to go full war with it, but yeah, it might have just been music that they got for free, too. I don't know. I don't know what the actual answer is. <laughs> um, I, they, in the trivia, it says like somebody came up with the idea of using hymnal music and stuff. And me and Noah are talking. We think it's just there's a little bit of that sort of religious aspect to it and stuff. And using this hymnal music just gives it that weird, unnerving edge while also sort of lending into the 
got it. Yeah, because I mean, there's definitely an element where the sexual repression, where his mom basically told him, like, if he has sex, he's going to die. That that definitely is there. That idea that that's maybe what drove him insane, but it's not. It's not examined enough to make to make you think that they're actually trying to put a message in this movie. Yeah, what was <laughs> the price of sin is gonorrhea, syphilis, and death. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping somebody wrote it down because I forgot to. <laughs> I will never forget it. That is a great line. <laughs> that is. I wish I was clever enough to just keep that stored in my brain so that I could just like yell at people in bars if they're like too much public display of affection, just bellow it into them. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I think a solid recommend from all of us. Uh, just kind of temper your expectations going in and just be ready for some weird, surreal sort of stuff. So Yeah. Um <sighs> So then the other movie we watched to help Doug watch a movie that he's had on DVD like forever. Technically um, DVD-R, but whatever. Technically DVD-R. <laughs> uh, was uh, Three on a Meat Hook. So Doug, why don't you tell us what Three on a Meat Hook is all about? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Three on a Meat Hook, the story is, it starts with these four girls, they go on a little weekend getaway. The Their car breaks down, so they're picked up by a, a young farm boy. Not young. He's same age as them. Call it mid-twenties. Um, he brings them back to his farm to let them have a place to stay for the night. And then they're going to go for help in the morning. And uh, they are then killed off. To which his dad says, "Oh my God, I can't believe this happened again. You know, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't be around girls. You know what happens when you are." Um, sends him away so he can dispose of the bodies. So the farm boy goes into town. He goes to a movie. He goes out for some drinks. Has a couple too many. <laughs> wakes up in the home of the <laughs> wakes up in the home of the waitress um, who just didn't want him, the cops called on him so agreed to bring him home, strip him naked and sleep naked in the bed beside him and then uh, the 70s so then the next like half hour of the movie for some reason is like a romance plot between these two which, which culminates yeah. in uh, he's now invited her back to the farm she's going to bring her friend and the question of the day is how is that going to play out but the answer to that is rather spoilerific so we'll get into that <laughs> maybe after because I'm guessing not everyone has seen this movie probably not although it is free to watch on YouTube so everybody should oh is it oh yeah again I bought the DVD so yeah I put a link up and in, uh, in the group so that people will watch along if they wanted to all right so what was your guys' uh, immediate reactions to this movie? <laughs> um, well, I thought the acting in uh, Derange was a little stilted. <laughs> and then I watched this and was like, oh, no, no. That, the acting there was fine. This is, wow, this is crazy. I'm very glad I watched them in the opposite order. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an indie film from that was made in like 1972. So yeah. 
they the acting isn't acting. No. It's the the scene that I'm just like this is probably the lowest point is when uh, he wakes up in that lady's apartment and then uh, he's talking about like well, what are you doing today? And she's like I don't know. I have a few errands to run and and he's like because I would I would like to to be with you. I also would like to be with you. And I'm just like, oh I think my you're, God. you're putting a little too much emotion into it. It's, I know, right? Your acting is so much better than the movie. <laughs> Getting you to dump it, I guess. <laughs> that was horrible. I'll, I'll tell you what. The movie opened up and actually like had me going for a, a second. Because I was like, oh, okay, this is super exploiting. We got lots of boobs and, and people are going to get killed. This is awesome. And then, like, all the people that you think are going to kind of run through the film die. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, then, I think... And then nothing happens for the rest of the movie <laughs> until oh, the very end. Yeah, like, I was shocked by how little of this film was exploitation. I mean, it starts those four girls go on vacation. All I'm thinking is three and a meat hook. They're going to be shy one meat hook. What's going to happen? Like, <laughs> there, there aren't enough meat hooks. This is this could go really bad if there's not enough meat hooks. Um, and when they decided to make it into a movie partway through and have like, I guess characters in the story, and he goes to the movies by himself to see the graduate. Um, I'm like, which he later says was no good. I know he didn't like the graduate at all. Rowan Shade couldn't you, couldn't even remember the name of it because it wasn't worth his time. <laughs> but it, it blew my mind when. Nobody got killed for a long period of time in the middle of this movie. I'm like, what is happening? Is this... And it wasn't even like it wasn't that bad. It was just so far from what I expected. Like I was, I was yeah. assuming 100 percent exploitation. I don't and know. It's, it, was, it's, it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> this it's... is what Noah considers bad. <laughs> Boring. Boring is what I consider bad. And you have good opening. So much boring, good finish. Yeah, yeah, I, that's not an unfair... Like, It took me a while to get bored, because I kept assuming that more exploitation was coming. <laughs> I was just like, oh yeah, something will happen in a minute. Something will happen in a minute. Ooh, she's bringing a friend with her to the farm. That's going <laughs> to lead to something. No, not really. And the whole time, I'm like, I couldn't... I, I don't know what it is. I was like, I was intrigued wanting to know what was going to happen next but every time I'm like what'll happen next nothing happened next <laughs> and it took a while for their and then they just pile all the plot into like the last three minutes of the movie and then a little exposition at the end to help you understand what you just saw yeah I think they don't uh, ambiance is not their their strong suit <laughs> Like, at the beginning of the movie, they try to set up the menacingness of the main character with a stationary camera focused on a lake and him slowly driving by <laughs> in a tiny, like, 12-horsepower rowboat. <laughs> he's, he's, actually, he's actually rowing, but the other side of that is, if you watch closely, he's only rowing with one arm, which means technically he's rowing in circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they just play that bum, 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 music, and you're like, "What in the fuck?" Like, but it wasn't scary in the slightest. It's just a guy in a boat. 
<laughs> but in the moment, all I'm thinking is, oh, sweet, it's this type of movie because I'm expecting full-on exploitation. It's four naked girls swimming in the foreground and the guy who I assume is going to be a killer for the remainder of the movie goes by in a boat behind them. Like, that got me excited for what I thought was going to be just an hour and a half or less than an hour and a half of just him hacking them up. And I, I was definitely disappointed we didn't get that. Yeah. And Noah, you said like nothing happens in the middle, but you're forgetting that he goes to see a movie. Then they play a full two songs. Oh my God. When he gets to the bar, I'm guessing that band is somebody who made that movie's friends. (laughs) The best part of that was they couldn't afford like, or didn't weren't competent enough or something to film him in the bar watching the band. He's clearly filmed at a bar. And then there's shots of the band put in, but that is not taking place in the same room. I don't care. <laughs> you can try for years to convince me. You will not convince me that those two things happened in the same room. That band is completely separate. It's just a music video edited into this movie, followed by another music video edited into this movie. I was trying to figure out what was going on with that band, too, because they looked like Earth, Wind, and Fire, but like all not good-looking white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it was the seventies. <laughs> they did. They definitely looked like a very typical seventies band to me. Like I assume bar bands in the seventies were all trying to imitate the bigger name bands, and that's what happened. Was that? But yeah. I, I do, I do appreciate the amount of uh, severely tan-lined boobs the movie had to offer. <laughs> yeah, especially I, early on. Jesus. Yeah, I appreciate that kind of stuff. Well, the yeah, movie, the, but it's the like movie. so dark of a tan, and then like <laughs> lining white parts of her boobs. It's like Jesus. Yeah, it was. But the, when the opening scene of the movie is just like a shot of a hotel, cut to people having sex inside the hotel, <laughs> and then not plot relevant at all. Like it turns yeah. out that was just that was all set up so that she could have one line of exposition, which was me and the girls are going to the lake. You could have just opened on a shot of the car driving towards the lake. We would have uh, all understood I, that they were going to the lake. I think you've got it backwards. The entire purpose of that one line of dialogue was to show her boobs. <laughs> it's only like 45 more seconds until you see her boobs again at the lake. It's not It's not that long of a wait. Uh, yeah, like they all put like uh, bathing suits on just so they can get out on the boat, take the bathing suits off, and then all jump in the water together. And it does that like awesome thing where it's like it shows all the bikini tops sitting on the boat with no boobs in them, <laughs> and then cuts out to the girls in the water, like fades over. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that somebody like had the ability to get out on a boat and use like a moving camera, and that's what they chose to do with it. <laughs> There's the bikini tops, but where are all the breasts that go in those bikini tops? Uh oh, what do we have over here? Uh, I will say that it did look look like the Wisconsin River, though. Did you guys pick up on the fact that they never tell you where this story takes place? Because the guy gets sent away, he gets sent to Ohio. So yeah. we've narrowed it down to he's in one of the other 49 U.S. states. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? You guys have 50 total? Yeah. Uh, then like three, ter- like three territories, but don't ask our president because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know them. No. <clears throat> um, yeah, but I was literally just on the Wisconsin River a couple months ago, and I took a tour, and they were ta- commenting on the weird like rock uh, striations or whatever. 
are like there's only two types of rock where that's found, or two places uh, in the world where that rock is found, which is in Germany and Wisconsin. Wisconsin and their goddamn striations. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I was like, oh wow, that actually does look look like Wisconsin, which does tie it into the Ed Gein thing. But other than that, you would never really, I think, jump onto the fact that this is sort of an Ed Gein inspired movie. Welcome. Welcome to Wisconsin. <laughs> Cheese, beer, fireworks, and interesting-looking rocks. <laughs> I don't. I apologize to all of our listeners in Wisconsin, but your state is terrible. <laughs> you have good cheese. You do have good cheese, and the rocks are lovely. <laughs> in your giant collection of indoor water parks, amuse me. <laughs> If I could drag you guys back on topic just a little bit. Do you actually think this movie was inspired by Ed Gein, or do you think they just put that on? They're just after the fact that, like, oh, look at all these other movies that are inspired by Ed Gein that are making money. Let's claim ours was. Because other than it's a fart, people get killed. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not nowhere near as close as uh, Deranged, of course, but even sort of the... uh, Similarities, because you because you know, the the big famous ones are Texas Chainsaw was inspired by Ed Gein, Psycho was inspired by Ed Gein, um, uh, what's his face, uh, Buffalo Bill or whatever from Silence of the Lambs was sort of inspired by Ed Gein. Where'd your fuck me? <laughs> and uh, those you can all sort of point to something, and you're like, okay, yeah, I can see that. This one definitely is probably the hardest to sort of narrow in on where the inspiration comes from, other than killing women and, I guess, cooking them up some, whatever. Yeah. Spoiler. Oh, please. Put three on a meat hook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I don't know. Do we want to? Sort of jump into the the end part of the movie, I guess. The more spoilery section. Yeah, I mean nobody's nobody's gonna see this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I take that back. People are gonna see this movie, but they're gonna be disappointed anyway. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna drag this movie down. <laughs> Let's just say minor spoiler warning. If you really don't want to know how Three on a Meat Hook wraps up. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal either, but that's personal judgment. It's up to you whether you really want to know how it wraps up or not. Um, so, Doug, why don't you fill us in? How does how does the movie come to a climax? All right. So the the main character and his new girlfriend and her friend are all hanging out at the farm. Uh, Dad is acting super awkward, implying yeah. that he's very worried that uh, his son is going to kill these two girls. Yeah, did we, did we mention the dad was very upset um, when uh, those other girls like stayed at the house for like twelve hours? Yeah, yeah. Um, Suspicious. <laughs> so, dad is all worked up. We get flashbacks explaining that the kid killed his mom, and that's why he was sent off to Ohio, which is a weird punishment for killing your mom. Uh, and let's see, let's make sure I understood this correctly, because my interpretation of this is that turns out dad's the one killing people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we find this out because the one girl goes missing and her friend walks into the kitchen and finds dad butchering her leg and making it for dinner. Uh, but then the additional reveal is that mom is still alive. She has some sort of mental disability that causes her to be a cannibal. And instead of having her institutionalized, dad has been killing women and feeding them to her. Correct. Oh. I guess I didn't catch that part at all. You didn't? It's it's in the exposition at the end when they show Dad in like custody yeah, when they're talking when they're talking to like the lawyer at the end. Oh, okay. I must have missed that. So that that is how I took it is that Mom has been locked up this whole time. Dad has been killing people, but for some reason, convincing it. I the part I didn't understand is why is he trying to convince his son that he did it. <laughs> Like, if I was a murderer, uh, I would not try to make Lando think it was his fault. He's just <laughs> gaslighting him. So he's just a shitty dad? <laughs> just, just a bad guy, that's all. It's like a great husband, shitty it's dad. The best, it's the best way to keep somebody's mouth shut. Make them think they did it. <laughs> yeah, you killed it. I, I, mean, won't, I won't tell nobody, but you need to stop killing people. I, I was getting ready to say, what's he going to do? Like, the kid wakes up and these four girls are dead. And he's, dad, what happened? Nah, I killed them all. That's what the guy in the last movie would have done. <laughs> he would have, none of the son would have been like, Dad, you're so crazy. <laughs> Stop telling jokes. Seriously, where are they? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, this, whole, this whole movie was not about what we thought it was about. It's actually about this guy trying to care for his ill wife. And uh, for some sure. For some reason, I, the part I, I think went a little underexplained was what mental disability it is you have that causes you to become cannibalistic. Like, it's like she hit her head one day and woke up a cannibal is the implication. I, if, if I understand it correctly, that's a real thing. Okay. See, they, I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that, but the movie it, did not give me enough yeah. information to... It's it's along the lines of like uh, uh, getting a pica, which um, is the one that'll make you eat like stuff like dirt and metal. Okay. But but supposedly there actually is some kind of a brain disorder that will make you all uh, flesh hungry. <laughs> well, would it be to the extent? Do you think that? Yeah. I, I have no and idea. You would, you would have to like kill people and eat them for. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know either. Um, it no. did end up going a different way than I thought it was going to, because up till about the last twenty minutes of the movie, I for sure thought we were going to get a reverse psycho. Where because when the the first girls show up to the house that he had picked up and was like, hey, you know, they need a place to stay. Like, none of them, none of the girls actually see the dad. They just hear him upstairs, like, arguing, and then there's, like, shadows on the wall. So I thought for sure we were going to get the reveal that, like, dad's been dead this whole time, and he's just, like, having weird conversations with himself and all that nonsense. Oh, I never thought that. I I think I pretty much picked up from the beginning dad was the killer. When Oh, yeah, I totally knew that. But I thought it was just going to be, like, him because you never see the face of the person that's killing them either um 
you do get solo scenes of the dad like in the bedroom looking aggravated or whatever but i assume that was just shitty filmmaking and that uh it would be like oh yeah dad's been dead this whole time it was all in his head and so instead of mother it would be father a la psycho. Yeah, I, can see that. I don't think this film was that clever though no it was not yeah yeah so what so, do we think overall did we, did we enjoy this movie or was it not not really i know no. you didn't really you've been so subtle i wasn't sure which way you were going to come down <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it's pretty hard to pry victory from the hands of uh, a copious titties and they still did it <laughs> yeah if you watch um, if you watch the first twenty minutes and the last twenty minutes, it's a pretty good movie. But then you miss the the two song uh, interlude in the middle, <laughs> right? <laughs> to which I, I like belted out a verse over the over the group chat, and uh, nobody responded. I was disappointed in all of you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what did you think, Doug? Was it worth waiting this many years to finally watch it? Well. No, I, I don't recommend buying the movie waiting ten years and <laughs> getting all getting your friends to watch it so that you can discuss it. It's that it's maybe not worth that level of anticipation, but I, I think I'm a lot more positive on it than Noah is. Yeah. I think there's definitely the you know, the first twenty minutes and the last ten minutes are the best parts. Yeah. Um, but it is only an eighty minute movie, so there's not that much in the middle that is utterly terrible. I think some of it is, but most of it, I, I don't know. I like the early seventies, low budget aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think if you're a fan of that, you know, there are some great movies that came out of that kind of time frame. There are a lot of great movies. There's mostly just okay ones. And this is just an okay one. Um, But yeah, like the, the opening's good. The ending's good. The middle part, is a lot longer than it needs to be. Um, they probably could have dedicated a lot more time to the killing or just edited in the third set of girls that showed up at the farm or something. Mm. But, yeah, overall, not bad. Not great. I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched it once. It's probably not. It's probably going back on the shelf for another ten years. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. I, I was getting ready to say it's most certainly not the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's not the worst thing you've seen today. Uh, I cannot, with all honesty, say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I guess that's I a good segue that. into what else we watched, Noah. What else did you watch? Uh, so. I watched uh, Honky Holocaust. <laughs> Jesus. Which is a, uh, 
independent film I picked up at the uh, show I was at last week. Oh, that one didn't have a studio budget behind it? <laughs> no, no. As it turns out, it did not. No, what year was the Holocaust made? <laughs> I can't even say it without 20, 2017, sir. It's, right. it's, it's, it's new. It is fresh off the presses, uh, although they did get distribution through trauma. So, yeah, that makes sense. So they're doing all right. Uh, then I watched Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. All right. Which is why I can't say that this is the worst thing that I watched today, because Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is uh, pretty damn bad. But That's so, but it's fun. That's the difference between it and this. <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is hilarious. This, it, it like it isn't even funny. Like it's just boring in the middle, which is what yeah, drags but, it down. But it's no Return of the Killer Tomatoes with the Clooney in it. The Clooney. That's another one I've owned for years and never watched. So if you guys want to work it into a show sometime, absolutely. George that happen. episode. Oh, we can do that. Uh, Return to Horror High is another one. <laughs> pasta, the pasta sauce episode. Just uh, <laughs> all the all the attack the killer tomato stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I I didn't get that much more watched this week, mostly because I was out in uh, Boston at Rock and Shock. Uh, I did get to hang out with uh, Karando Mitsutake, the director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, both awesome movies, by the way, if you guys haven't seen them. Uh, I have not. I, haven't, should... I also don't trust that they're awesome based on... I, I, know, I know Gun Woman is on uh, Netflix right now. I'm not sh- I don't think Karate Kill is. Uh, but Karando, one of the coolest human beings on the planet. Uh, if you're listening, it was great hanging out with you, Karando. Uh, I also got to meet Tim Capello, which is a lifelong dream. You play the shit out of that sax. Oh my god, I fucking love Tim Capello. In his r- ripped jeans and leather cod piece. So did you ask him, Is he uh, was he angered by the uh, sort of the shade thrown at him by the second Lost Boys movie? Uh, you know what? I did not ask him about that. Oh. Although I did explain to him the uh, running joke from Murph and the Fat Kid of playing a clip of that song every time somebody said, I still believe. And he thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard and actually gave me his email address so that we could have him on this show sometime if we would like to talk about any of his stuff. Oh, will he play the saxophone on our show? Maybe. I could ask him. <laughs> yeah, the uh, if nobody saw the second uh, Lost Boys movies, which you shouldn't. Um, they show a very overweight saxophone player walking around the boardwalk, and apparently on social media he was not very happy because he does not look like that. He still is in amazing shape. He is ripped like the Jesus. Yeah. So he's like, no, I'm not like this overweight saxophone player trying to make me look bad in the second Lost Boys movie. Well, Twitch and everybody was like, don't worry, it's the second Lost Boys movie. It's not going to be good anyway. Don't worry, but when I saw that movie, I did think, man, did they go find him? And is that just how bad a shape he's in? <laughs> I, I just well, assumed. Then he, then he has right to uh, be concerned then, yeah. Yeah. 
the the only thing I regret, I wish I would have known he was there sooner because his band actually performed at Rock and Shock, and I totally would have gone to see that. This is why you fail at life, Noah. Indeed. Uh, other than that, going to to VHS PS and buying a bunch of crappy, crappy VHS movies on DVD so that I can slather them on my body like some kind of heathenistic <laughs> movie sloth. What what movies did you pick up? Uh, I got one second because that, like I said, I've been having a hard time getting a hold of one. Uh, Lockout or not Lockout, Deathlock. Which is the uh, Rudger Hauer prison movie with the exploding collars? I don't know if you guys remember that one or not. No, vaguely. Uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Oh, Jesus, I, I own it. Jermaine Jackson, <laughs> all mine. Yeah, it's Wait, so Jermaine Jackson, is it? Is that what you? Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, so I, I showed Noah this trailer for Voyage of the Rock Aliens on one of the uh, the uh, tr- trailer Blu-rays that I have. Yeah, one of the 40-second streets. This is a musical sci-fi comedy with, uh, what's-his-face, uh, Boone from uh, uh, Nightbreed and the uh, the guy in the fifth Hellraiser movie. <laughs> I can't remember what his actual name is. Craig Schaefer, I think. Yeah, so he's one of them. He's he's one of the the rock aliens in this, or one of the thugs who hates the rock aliens, or something. I don't know. It's a ridiculous trailer, and Noah told me he bought it. I'm like, but it's on YouTube. You could have just watched it there for free. But but now I own it. I own it. See, yeah, I can't really collection. argue with that. I buy lots of weird shit just so that's, I have that's a. That's what I'm saying. I, just, I just wanted to cut you off here and just say no. We cannot do a show. <laughs> Maybe if I'm off one week, you guys can cover that one. Nice. But Doug, it's Voyage of the Rock Aliens. <laughs> it's got Jermaine Jackson in it. Yeah. I, I know. Oh. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I've been getting shut down a lot lately. <laughs> you brought that upon yourself. Robot Holocaust, God damn it. <laughs> I feel like Robot Holocaust has really poisoned the water. <laughs> well, luckily we've got a pre-made list. So as long as we keep going on the list, we will get some that Noah did recommend. So. I was going to say, I put a lot of shit on that list. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I think the uh, the uh, Deathstalker Yore episode is going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Deathstalker Yore. Yeah. <laughs> we also need to do Cue the Winged Serpent. Good time. Uh, um, so did you, you, watch any, you didn't watch anything else? Uh, I, I think that's all I watched. Uh, other than that, you know, it was just I was hanging you out with the guys. You Damage, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I watched Brain Damage twice. <laughs> Because we told Noah we couldn't do it on the show because we already did it on Last Horror Cast like a couple months ago. Yeah. I'll I'll show you fuckers. I'll watch it twice. (laughs) Don't you you want some of my juice, Brian? No. (laughs) Come on, Brian. It's like, hey, Noah, don't touch the stove. It's really hot. Oh, yeah? I'll show you. I'll burn both my hands. (laughs) I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I thought it was awesome. That movie was hilarious. Yeah, it's something. 
and hilarious and disturbing, which you don't usually get those two things <laughs> as in in as gross quantities as, as you do in brain damage. Uh, all right, Doug, bring, did you get a chance bring to me watch some anything? brains, Brian, and I'll give you some of my juice. No, <laughs> this is never something I'm going to take you up on. <laughs> upsetting uh so did you get a chance to watch anything doug uh, a couple things here so opposite end of the spectrum of what we've just been talking about uh because it's coming up on halloween i like to track down like older black and white horror movies so this year i picked up the the two movies village of the damned and children of the damned which is the sequel nice. um the old like 1960 and 64 is the release dates of those movies so I was, I was pretty impressed with both of those I, in retrospect I've seen Village of the Dam before I don't, didn't remember that I had um, but Children of the Dam definitely was a new one for me and I it just fascinates me when you watch older movies and you see how dark some of the material was that they were dealing with back then. Like there's children getting shot in the head on screen and all this other cool stuff going on. And you're like, Oh yeah. Like they didn't used to hold back. And then somewhere along the line, censorship started making them. So I thought it was pretty neat. I like evil children. So yeah. Have you ever seen the bad seed? Oh, of course I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's another good one. So, I, I yeah. yeah I get I get a kick out of these types of movies with evil kids running around us. Really surprised too with Children of the Damned. They really go uh, international with it. So the movie's still set in England, but the children in question are from all over the world. And the implication to me was that they use the UN to bring them all together so that they can conduct their plot, um, which was interesting. I don't know if it was intended as a condemnation of the UN or not, but it's kind of interesting because they mentioned several times that they're all there as part of like a UNESCO project, and it's like, that's interesting. They keep bringing that up, because I don't know how many people in 1964 knew what UNESCO was, but I probably wouldn't have known until a couple of weeks ago when it made the news. So, Yeah, um, I've actually never seen the Children of the Damn movies, except I did see the John Carpenter remake, right? Like in the theater, but was like sixteen, and so I had no real interest in actually seeing it and making out with my girlfriend instead. So, okay, I don't that, really remember much. No, of that's it. that stars like Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley. So correct. Yeah, so you know you're getting quality filmmaking at that point. <laughs> she but it's was John Carpenter, so yeah, it's oh Mark Hamill's in that too, isn't he? Yeah, he's the preacher. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. I was going to make fun of it, but then I remember now I remember Mark Hamill's in it, and I'm like, no, I can't. So I have to uh, revisit it at some point. Yeah, I mean, the plot of that and the plot of the uh, the original are very similar. It's basically, yeah. you know, a whole town is knocked unconscious unexplainably for a while. When they come to, some of the women are pregnant. All the kids kind of grow up, and they all kind of look the same and are acting all weird and shit. Um, and it turns out they're kind of evil, so they have to be dealt with. Which is, you know, it's the plot of the original. 
Um, the original is a little bit more straightforward and a little bit more serious. The John Carpenter one is a bit campy, um, as he tends to be when he makes his movies. But so, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend these movies. They're they're um, they're fun watches if you're into this kind of movie. Like they're definitely slow. They're definitely got like the old timey acting and the old timey atmosphere, but. That's for me, especially around Halloween. I enjoy those types of movies. Um, yeah, probably some sure. Universal classics to discuss next time because it's getting to be the time where I rewatch those. So. Nice. And uh, yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of holidays, Friday the Thirteenth just happened. Yeah. So the obligatory had to pick a Friday the Thirteenth movie to watch, and I screwed up and picked four Friday the Thirteenth movies to watch because I'm not good at stopping at just one. <laughs> I was literally on my way to my basement, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch the remake, because I haven't seen it in a while, and there's no sequels, so it's not like when I'm done, I'll want to watch another one. Yeah. But then when I got down to the basement, the remake was tucked in behind a copy of the original, so I put in the original instead, and then I watched part two, and then I watched part three, and then I watched part four. Uh <laughs> Well, after you watch part two, you pretty much gotta like continue because they all take place like one right after the other. Yeah, well, there's some debate about that. I I think there's implied time jumps built into the movies that people don't pick up on. Gotcha. Uh, most notably, at the end of part two, and then through most of part three, he's wearing completely different clothes, and I don't feel that Jason showers and changes his outfit every day. So I think that something <laughs> must there must be a gap in there where he went and killed somebody and took that guy's clothes. Somewhere sure. Along um, but you know that's a debate for another day. Mostly, I just think it's really fun to rewatch Friday Thirteenth movies. I'm always every time I watch one, I'm like thinking it's going to be like pure nostalgia enjoyment, and then I watch it and realize, oh no, wait, these are actually really good movies. Especially like one, two, and four, which are more serious and they're actually like frightening horror films. No love for three. Uh, Three's hard to get past the uh, 3D gags sometimes. It is, and you can tell that the people who are making it, um, it, you can just tell the people who are making it were making a gimmick film. So they're not worried about making sure anything except the 3D works. So the acting's all a bit off, and it's kind of jokey and campy. And I mean, it's fine. It's it's an enjoyable watch, but it's stands out when you watch the first four in a row. I consider the first four to be one long story. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the first four in a row, it is really, that's the one that's different from all the rest. Sure. So, yeah, so that ate up most of my time. The only other thing I watched, I started the Netflix series American Vandal. You guys heard about that one? Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to recommend it or if I'm going to not recommend it because I haven't finished it yet, but I'll tell you what it is. It's a fake documentary series uh, modeled after making a murderer and uh, say, whatever what was that podcast series that people listen to? The Serial. Serial, yeah. yeah. So it's like that, except it's a guy who's been accused of painting dicks on the teacher's cars at his high school and he's been kicked out of high school <laughs> so they're basically trying to exonerate him and prove that he's not the one who drew the dicks um, and it's 
so for example there was a there was an eyewitness and there's a whole episode of this fake documentary series dedicated to finding out whether the eyewitness is telling the truth or not and it heavy concentration on whether he's lying about the time he says he got a hand job from this really hot girl. And they're they're like, if he's not if he's lying about that, we know we can't trust him on other things. So they spend the whole movie like recreating the hand job scene trying to look from to see if anybody would have been able to see it from different angles. And it's it is what it is. I don't know like I don't know if it's good or not, but I know I watch it and I'll probably end up watching the rest of it. So if that's the kind of thing that would appeal to you, it's available on Netflix. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it. So, I mean, there's nothing so great about it that I would say like, oh, you should really, really watch it. But if it's the kind of thing that interests you, I think it's done well enough that you know maybe it's a good background kind of show. Yeah. Nice. Anything else? Is that it? That's it for me. Yeah, those Friday Thirteenths ate up a lot of my free time. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I just watched a couple things. Um, I guess speaking of Friday Thirteenth, uh, I was flipping around the channels, and of course, uh, Freddy vs. Jason was on because yeah. I had missed the other Friday Thirteenth movies they had already run, and uh, so I caught like the last half of Freddy vs. Jason. Um, I don't know. I still enjoy it. A lot of people like to shit on that movie, but I had a good time watching it when it first came out. So. It's it's fun. I yeah. think the interesting thing is it's so close to being like awesome, and they just miss the mark on like on a few things. Yeah, I think in a couple of moments in that film they play up the humor a little too much, and it's like I don't. I find it a little frustrating when I watch it now, even though it didn't bother me the first time that I saw it. But overall, it's still really fun to watch, and that's considering how bad it could have gone. It ended up being really good. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they went for the Wolfman meets Dracula, and ended up with Abbott and Costello meet Wolfman and the Dracula. <laughs> sort of. Um, yeah. So enjoyed that. Um, uh, what's everybody's take on? Uh, I mean, he's been doing it for years, but Corey Feldman keeps trying to talk about trying to come back and do another Friday Thirteenth movie. Ugh. Are we are we over this? Because I'm completely over it. Corey Corey Feldman needs to like stop. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not as anti it as that. I don't. It's not necessarily where I want to see them go with it, but I. I mean, Tommy Jarvis is. Jason's nemesis, right? And why yeah. not? Why, why shouldn't he get another crack at it? I mean, well, weirder we things just, have happened in that series at this point. Can we just bring Tom Matthews back and have him fight Jason? Sure. <laughs> Wouldn't bother me, but <laughs> some kind of weird alternate universe where Corey Feldman has to fight Tom Matthews. Yeah. I well, just I meant Tom Matthews fight Jason, but I would settle for Tom Matthews versus Corey <laughs> Feldman as well. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know what Corey Feldman has done to his face, but Corey Feldman is slowly mutating into Odo from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> like, like it's uh, he smoothed his facial features yeah. into a weird anamorphous blob of youth, and uh, yeah. and from 
every time he's in public, he embarrasses himself. And every time he's in private, somebody writes an article about the stuff he does in private, and it's embarrassing. So, <laughs> so he needs to stop being weird and creepy and, and forcing his girlfriends to be in a band. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, he's, he's fucking, he's gone so far yeah. over the edge. Yeah. But on the other hand, would you really want to just constantly hear about how Corey Feldman is just at home watching TV, having a beer, being normal? That, what, what would be fun about that? Uh, <laughs> nothing. But I could, like, watch the Goonies and not go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that just happened to me when I watched Stand By Me recently. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He did so much stuff I love, and every time he pops up, I'm like, oh, it's Corey Feldman before he got all weird, creepy. Well, it wasn't, he was already weird and creepy. He was just young enough that it was kind of cute. It's like, that might, now I can see that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he keeps talking like, no, we need to do like H2O and like, I'll come back as Tommy Jarvis. It's weird how long he's been talking about it and they yeah. don't, like nobody has gone, just, <laughs> it's not either do it or it's not going to happen. Like, well, yeah. here's here's the thing. I'm assuming all the producers have done exactly that. Where he's called okay. and said, hey, I've got an idea. And they're like, no, Corey, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because and, like, then he, and then he calls Full Moon Pictures and he's like, hey, why don't you guys do a sequel? And they're like, oh, that's not a bad idea. And he's like, and I could be Tommy Jarvis. And they're like, no. We let you in a Puppet Master movie. <laughs> that's the end of it. It's the end of our relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember like, the first time I heard that was like when the DVD box set came out. Mm. And it's like in one of the special features, Corey Feldman's talking about that. And I'm like, at the time, I was like, okay, that's an interesting idea, but that's like a decade ago. And the yeah. fact that it still like creeps into the news every now and again is weird. <laughs> I would. The fact that Corey Feldman's ever in the news is weird enough. Yeah. Like, because he's it's doesn't usually ever not for anything good, though. Yeah, it's usually the band. His band played in public again, and everyone <laughs> wants to make fun of it. I People would rather them bring back the telekinetic chick than put. Oh yeah, Corey that, Feldman in that movie. What if they put together, like, a dream team of, like, the telekinetic chick gets together with either Corey Feldman or Tom Matthews, whichever one they can get for the role of Tommy Jarvis, and they have to go hunt Jason down together. That's a movie to me. All right. So they sort of did that in the Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash comic books. Okay. The, the second series. The first series was great. The second series was god-awful. But so they got all the survivors from all from both franchises all together as like a support group, and then someone showed up and murdered all of them, and it was a fucking horrible, horrible, horrible series. Which is why they never did a third one. <clears throat> it's still the whole. What drives me nuts about this whole scenario is the fact that Freddy vs. Jason was like a good movie. It was well received. It made tons of money. Yeah, everybody was on board for a sequel to that. There's, I mean, 
adding Ash is already done in the comics at that point. You could have easily seen it. And you could have just gone, yeah, let's just do that. But instead, they're like, no, let's do a reboot of both for some reason. And then the one will do pretty well. And we'll just not make sequels to it for no reason that anybody can figure out. And the other one yeah. will be a failure, even though like we got a pretty good guy to cast, but we just didn't know what the hell we were doing when it came to filmmaking. Yeah, I completely fucked up everything else. Yeah, like what? I, I just don't understand why Hollywood can't do things right. Like what? How? Like you have Freddie and you have Jason, and they've been making sequels for decades, and then all of a sudden you make them fight, and it makes tons of money. So just make them fight again. What's the fucking problem? I would I would pay all the money and go see the same Freddy vs. Jason again if they shot the original ending and um, put it on there. Yeah. I would pay, yeah, I would yeah, Pinhead. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Well yeah. that's like at one point too there was supposed to be like a Pinhead and Michael Myers mashup movie. Yeah. Apparently like like Carpenter was on board and stuff. I'm just and, saying the, the Cinnabites, uh, indestructible netherworld super demons versus a crazy guy. Well, what if it was like the Michael Myers from the sequels who's pretty No! No Druid Michael Myers! <laughs> no! Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. worse! I can't, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> what about just like the the part four and five Michael Myers that can get shot four thousand times and all he needs is like some guy and let him lay in a bed for a year and then he's finding it. I mean, even in part two, he gets shot in both of his eyes and he's still walking around. Yeah, yeah. But that moment when Donald Pleasance, like, no, fuck, I'm gonna end up not going to bed tonight. Cause I'm gonna be watching Halloween too. <laughs> he looks at him and he just goes, "It's time, Michael," and he lights that lighter and the whole place yeah. goes. Out. That is such a powerful moment. I don't care if he's been shot in the yeah. eyes. Yeah, we you talked about it before. You but... don't understand. It's very yeah, I was going to say we brought it up before, but me and Noah went and saw it at the drive-in a couple weeks ago. Oh, so good. Awesome. So like I said, I just love the part. I love the actual like the opening where you see it from Michael's point of view and he's looking down the alley. And you just see Loomis like run into the shot, look around, and then a cop car comes up and he's like, I shot him six times. I'm just like, he's <laughs> fucking crazy at this point. See, well, I would, I would totally see uh, Michael Myers versus Chucky. Oh, fuck yeah! I'd be down for that. <laughs> Chucky should just fight everybody. Well, Leprechaun versus Chucky only work. Davis Leprechaun. <laughs> I can't believe the Leprechaun series. Like that's another one that was it was going strong. Like they kept making sequels, they were fine. Just keep doing what you're doing, and then they yeah. whatever the hell that thing was. Wait, wait, define going strong. <laughs> I liked the in space one, and those then they made other ones after that that I pretend didn't happen. Okay. Oh. <laughs> but Warwick uh, Davis was still willing to play the role. I guess is what it came down to. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been well, that hard was, to just write another one. There was like that test trailer that I think someone in Lionsgate had commissioned of a Leprechaun versus Wishmaster movie. Oh, yeah. Which I think That'd the, the trailer cool. looks fucking awesome, and I would totally watch that movie. And for some reason, they never made it. Wasn't there at one point there was a rumor of like a Leprechaun in the Old West too, which I think could be. Oh, fun. that would have been good. We just like, need all the versus movies. Like yeah. versus movies need to become a thing again. It's so fucking yeah. weird 
to me still like I keep bringing it up, but Freddy versus Jason makes so much money. Everybody's happy with the results, and then they just are like, "Well, I guess that was a one-off. Nothing more to do with that." And you're like, no, well, what every other movie you want to make sequels to, but you don't go. Wait, we should do more spinoffs and sequels of this. Yeah. Well, if if I understand it correctly, it made quite a bit of money, but they said it didn't make enough money. Oh, fuck even that. even though it made a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there's some weird like residuals type thing bringing in two weird franchises together. That's like a problem nowadays that wouldn't that like wasn't a problem before. I don't think so because New Line bought up the rights to the Jason character in order to be able to use them, right? Yeah. They don't really make any direct references back to the old Paramount films, I don't think. No. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that business stuff works, but then I think the other problem is they invest way too much money in these two. Like yeah. the reason we don't have like a new Friday Thirteenth movie essentially is because that remake like costs a shit ton of money to make for no reason. And yeah. so they want they're like, well, we're gonna make another hundred and fifty million dollar movie. We have to like, yeah, let's you know, get it perfect. Let's spend a bajillion dollars on a slasher that's not gonna be as good as any of the cheap ones. Yeah, uh, I don't understand Hollywood's desire to make no. very big budget movies. Like they seem intent on doing it at all times, and it's like yeah. just make a bunch of lower risk movies. And by lower risk, I mean lower budget. That even if they flop, so what? You lost ten million bucks. It's supposed yeah. to these three hundred million dollar movies that are having trouble making a profit. Yeah, that's like um, oh, what the fuck was I gonna say? I had a point, and I completely forgot. But, um, like, Adam Green has said on his podcast that he thinks, because the rights are now back at Paramount, because New Line sold them, I don't know, there's some weird deal to get rights for something else or something, I don't know, some bullshit thing. Um, But he brought up a point on his podcast, like, a couple years ago. He's like, they're just, they're overthinking it completely, whereas they should be just churning them out like they did in the 80s. And it's like give like a new like newer up and coming like horror director like five million dollars make a Friday Thirteenth movie. If it sucks, guess what? Who cares? You're gonna make another one in two years anyway, and you only lost five million dollars. And yeah. it just doesn't. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, don't I, I think the problem is is if you do that, you run the risk of becoming the Hellraiser franchise, in which. That's kind of like what they did and ended up with a giant pile of garbage. <laughs> yeah, but they were also like whoring that thing out to like horrible directors and taking scripts that didn't have Pinhead in them and putting Pinhead in for three minutes. Yeah. Whereas this would be much more of like younger up and coming horror directors who grew up on those movies trying to like find a way to make another series of them and have them actually be decent. Are you saying you, Brian? You want you to be able to make them? <laughs> oh, no. I think I think I would make a horrible Friday 13th movie. Even though I still want to see one set during the winter, but I don't think it'll ever happen. Every fan out there wants to see one set during the winter, and they just can't. Yeah. 
they're like, no, we can't figure out how to do it. But it's like, it's, what if there was just the same, but there was snow that would be doing it, and every fan would go see it because we all want to see it. And they're like, but, no, how do you how do you film with snow? But it's a it's a summer camp. Yeah. But it's oh, I swear to God, the assholes are probably sitting there thinking, oh man, we can't afford the CGI budget to put snow on everything. And like, that's probably the problem. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there going, maybe just film in the winter? I in, don't know. In Deranged, apparently that uh, the last scene of her hanging upside down, she really was like completely naked, hung upside down, and it really was freezing fucking cold in that part. <laughs> in the 70s, you, you were allowed to just be fucking terrible to your actors like that. Yeah. You're going to well, get supposedly... naked, you're going to hang upside down, and then we're going to shoot you from a real distance, so we could have used a dummy pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We somehow got on this tangent about about remakes and versus movies and all that stuff, but versus yeah. movies, make it a thing. Yeah. Because all we got out of it was Alien versus Predator, and I mean, let's be honest, we Fuck. probably could have done without that. Hey, the second one was okay. Oh, see, I'm the complete opposite. I enjoyed the first one. I think the second one's garbage. What? No way. The second one's all right. No, second one's horrible. It's a Dawson's Creek episode where an alien and a predator show up. What? It's for, the second one's dark. Oh my um, god! I wish the Alien and Predator had showed up in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, my older brother's back in town. He left for some mysterious reason. Now he's back. He comes uh, back. I'm just work. saying, pregnancy ward filled with ruptured stomach ladies. Uh, I haven't seen it since the theater because I'm like, this is fucking stupid, and I never watched it again. I'm not. I'm not saying it's the best movie by any any little stretches, but it's, sure. it's not bad. I'm just saying I would rather watch the first one than the second one, if I ever had a choice. See, I thought the first one was too cartoony. Like, it's it's two quasi-horror franchises made into a movie that's not horror whatsoever. Yeah, calling yeah. the first one a horror film is almost like it would be like calling the Resident Evil films horror films. It's like they're not, they're not trying to be. So, don't pretend that they're. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. The other thing I watched, I watched the Wish Upon. Um, is that the Christmas horror one? No, it's the no. PG thirteen, like uh, essentially a version of the Monkey's Paw, where this girl has this. Uh, box of apparently Chinese origin where if you wish for something you'll get it but then there'll be some horrible side effect that'll happen as well uh, this is directed by the same guy that directed uh, the first Annabelle movie uh, he was on like a pile he was on shockwaves and he was doing an interview talking about it I'm like oh it's interesting to see his perspective on it I would probably watch it and I never got a chance to see it in the theater uh, and I got sent a nice review copy from Warner Brothers, I believe, or whoever put it out. Uh, it, I don't know. It, I told somebody it's basically like a horror movie version of Mean Girls. Because, of course, this girl gets it and wishes she was the most popular girl in school and the most handsome guy in school was in love with her and like all this stuff. And, of course, then shit starts going wrong. And then she realizes all of her friends that she uh, had stopped talking to because now she had popular friends were her real friends all along. But oh, that's, my, that's a nice lesson. 
Yeah, too little, too late, because they all start dying. Well, you know. Um, if anything, this movie did teach me that uh, I'm really fucking old because Ryan Philippe is now playing uh, dads in movies. Oh, that's upsetting. Yeah. So, so yeah. I don't know. The movie is like, it is what it is. It's not great. It's not terrible, but it was just sort of there. And I'm like, I could have gone without watching it, but I did watch it, but I don't really care that much. You know, whatever. Um, and then the last thing I saw was we went to the theater and saw Happy Death Day. Okay. Uh, which I greatly enjoyed. I was going to say, don't spoil it. I'm going to see it. No spoilers. It's, uh, it, you, yeah, you get exactly what's in the trailer. It's, yay. It is a horror version of Groundhog's Day. Her just repeating the same day over and over again, trying to figure out who it is that keeps that's behind the, the mask of the slasher who keeps coming up and killing her. That's what I wanted. And of course she starts off as like a horrible like uh, sorority girl who hates everybody and all this stuff and then you know after repeating a day like over and over again figures out that she's a horrible person and all this stuff so uh yeah it's exactly what i wanted um it's a lot of fun uh my friend tim was asking because he's like i can deal with sort of that campy like over the top stuff but does it have like a lot of blood and gore in it i'm like no unfortunately not but i mean i just think it's just a fun movie anyway so it's okay that's disappointing and it knows exactly what it is to the point that like one of the characters eventually in the movie is just like, you ever seen the movie Groundhog's Day? And she's like, no. <laughs> she's like, no? Really? The one with Bill Murray? I, Bill Murray, I don't I don't know who that is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of hard to be mad, mad at the movie when you're like, okay, you get it. You're, you're, you understand what's going on. That's fine. So yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of fun for it. Just a lot of fun with it. Amanda really enjoyed it. Just, you know, you get exactly what you think you're going to get by watching the trailer, and that's fine. That's that's the most you can ask for. Exactly. So, for some reason, listening to you talk about that reminds me that I forgot the movie I was supposed to talk about. All right. <laughs> I watched The Babysitter on Netflix. Oh, nice. That's on my list to watch, too. Which is, I mean, a lot of what I would say is just exactly what you just said, is it's a lot of fun. It's ridiculous. It knows exactly what it is. It doesn't take itself seriously at all. So you end up just going along for the ride. And it's... I had a blast watching it. It's ludicrous. There's a scene of a kid... Well, the scene is going to describe you as a spoiler, so I won't say it. But, you know, there is like a running joke where one of the characters keeps getting sprayed in the face with blood during the... uh, during, during all of like the kills, like just the one guy is just always off to the side. The blood just always gets him right in the face and stuff like that. There's uh, all sorts of ridiculous moments, like the uh, early in the film, like the the mom of the family is like going underneath the uh, the house to lay mouse traps, and so you just find yourself sitting there wondering, I wonder how they're going to use those later. And then they eventually do, and you're like, nice. So it's it was fun. It's not particularly memorable it's not a classic or anything but it was just it was just a lot of fun to watch again it's these netflix originals that they're popping out that are just they're there push a button and all of a sudden they're on your tv for free so 
Might as well watch them. Exactly. Um, yeah, I remember watching the trailer and being like, oh, yeah, this looks like a lot of fun. And, yeah, typically, it's like the same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't take itself too seriously. I've heard that there is a lot more gore in that, though, than there is in the uh, Happy Death Day. There's a fair amount of gore in it. It's it's comedic gore, almost. It's yeah. like Freddy, Freddy versus Jason-style gore, like when Jason's okay. chopping people up in the uh, field and he slashes that guy across the chest and it just sprays everywhere. You, you get that kind of gore. Gotcha. Which is fun to watch. Yeah, totally. Um, Alright. Well, I guess that's it. Do you guys have anything else before we uh, wrap this puppy up? Movie pitch. Take it or leave it. Gremlins versus Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. Oh, I'd buy it. Take it. Sure. <laughs> now, is it is it Macaulay Culkin from the original Home Alone, or is it Macaulay Culkin now? Uh, I think both are amazing. I, f- I feel yeah. that you you recast and you have a grown-up version of the kid from Home Alone, but not the real grown-up version of that kid. You get someone who oh. is what we all want Kevin McAllister to be like. Poor Macaulay. Did you guys, but did we forget to mention, too, during our discussion of Deranged, that the guy from Deranged is in Home Alone? Is he? He grows up to be the old man in Home Alone. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize. I was going to bring it up and then had all the mic problems and then got confused and forgot to. Wow, now that you say that, I completely get it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Solid. Um, I'm saying Gremlins versus Macaulay Culkin uh, at original Home Alone age. Just because I want to see that. That would be ideal, but it's too yeah. late to make that movie. We have to, well, we have CGI, to deal realistically with the problems we have now. CGI is a hell of a thing nowadays. You can bring Peter, <laughs> Cushing, you can bring Peter Cushing back to life for a Star Wars movie. They're going to use that technology that they used on uh, Michael Douglas. Like can walk around on his knees through the whole movie. Yeah. 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 Oh, suddenly I want to see that. Yeah. You have what you do is you have Macaulay Culkin de-aged to play Kevin McAllister, then you just have what he looks like now. That's the gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> you have him go. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, they merged itself. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, they they took a recent picture of him and he like actually cut his hair and it looks like he's been eating and he looks so much better. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I think it'd be amazing to check back in with Kevin McAllister and find out that, like, over the years, he's become some kind of, like, a... He, like, travels the world looking for things to fight because he's <laughs> run out of burglars to protect his house from. Yeah. He stumbles across yeah. the I still need to like, check out... What's what's the name of the, the horror movie version of it? Uh, ah, I sent you a trailer for it, Brian. What was it? Oh, I completely forgot. I don't think I ever watched it either. Yeah, they made they made a horror movie which is essentially Home Alone. Oh really? And yeah, oh, down, oh, the down, one. yeah, down to where he throws the paint can, and you, and you see this paint can coming out of a guy's face, and you're like, oh my god, I bet they actually show what that would do. <laughs> uh, better watch out. Better watch out. Thank you. Which okay. I did get a screener link for, but I have not watched it yet. So, Ooh. I mean, to share that so with everybody. You're saying that that's going to be in a future show. Maybe. If it still works. That sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah, I was going to say, if it works, I want to see it. 
Um, I just sent you a recent picture of Macaulay Culkin, Doug. Uh, you can see he's, he looks healthy. Shit, looks like he's that's, eating. Looks like he's. Good, you know, I, he's I like, haven't uh, seen Macaulay Culkin in a while. So, yeah. Yeah. See, now he looks like grown up Kevin McAllister. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just, for some, for some reason, a siege film <laughs> starring Macaulay Culkin in The Gremlin sounds like the best thing. What if you just turned it around and he's like trying to get into the gremlin's house and they're the ones defending Ooh. themselves? Ooh, interesting. The, it's the Mogwais. <laughs> he's trying to spray those little fuckers with water. They're all trying to stay dry. <laughs> you're, you're a prick, Kevin McAllister. He's in there trying to fuck with their clocks so they'll eat after midnight. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right. Uh, what are we doing next week, gents? Uh, I guess I'll take it. Someone's talking. Doug, <laughs> no. um, no, you even picked one of the damn movies. <laughs> uh, so I prompted uh, the guys with an idea since our next episode is going to land the day before Halloween, that we should do two movies that are set at Halloween just for fun. And uh, so we ran through a list, tried to come up with some. And, and uh, by ran through a list, he means they rejected a thousand of my ideas. <laughs> hey, one of one of them got bumped up to our Easter episodes. So. Yay! Yeah, it got promoted. Um, so yeah, Doug suggested Satan's little helper, and then uh, we threw out some other ideas. Uh, Doug completely vetoed uh, doing season of the witch. Uh, which is fine. I'm sure we'll do it eventually. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we decided to do uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow because it turns out Doug and Noah have never seen it before. So should be an interesting watch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I bought the uh, Blu-ray at a convention years ago because the... Uh, I mean, it's one of those stories that the director had no idea that anybody even cared about this movie. And then people are like, are you kidding me? Like, I loved that movie. And, you know, this was back in the 80s when something premiered on TV. If you didn't, like, videotape it, it's gone forever. So uh turns out they still had all the the resources to actually clean it up really nice on Blu-ray and put it out. So he's been doing the uh, convention circuit for years now. Selling awesome. uh, copies of his movies and stuff. And, you know, seems like it's been doing really well. Uh Watched the screening of it at one of the conventions. I mean, the Blu-ray looks amazing for a TV movie from the eighties. So, just say I've, I've I've always heard good things about it. I just yeah. never got around to watching it. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's got uh, Larry Drake from uh, Darkman, and well, L.A. Law is what people would say he's famous for. But he's famous for Darkman. He's Dark, famous, Darkman's famous more for Darkman. Yes, Darkman is more important. He's famous for Darkman. Yes. And Dr. Giggles. Of course, yes. Um, so, yeah, he's on it. He's super awesome. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, we get to watch this for the next episode. So, going to be a good time. Do you guys remember any like, made-for-TV horror movies that you saw as a kid but never came out? <sighs> the TV remake of uh, Humanoids from the Deep. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of any. Like I used to watch all of those back when I was a kid because they didn't have any choice. Like you mm. didn't watch it, you'd never get to see it. Yeah. I seem to remember one called Gargoyles, but I don't remember what it was about. Do you guys remember The Beast? Is that the Peter Benchley movie? It's the, I have no idea, but it's the it's Jaws with a squid. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> I want to see that one. That's one, that's one that's been on my list for a long time of like, Jaws with a squid? That sounds amazing. <laughs> Jaws with a anything. That's like a, my favorite subgenre. Jaws with a, and then just brackets, and you just insert anything in there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Jaws with a lion face tamarind. What? Like, like Kevin Smith's upcoming movie, Moose Jaws. Oh my god! It literally is just Jaws with a moose. <laughs> I, I'm so excited about. I'm like absolutely. I get upset every time he announces another new film project because I know it's going to push that one back because yeah. everything else will get funding before that does. But oh my god, yeah, I see. yeah. I'm I've been so excited about that. And then apparently he's let slip that uh, at some point uh, the walrus from Tusk comes and there's a moose walrus fight, which I'm just like, yes, needs to happen. Yes, that's happening. And apparently Jay and Silent Bob make their way into the film. At some yeah. point, too. It's a crossover between the two universes. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I, again, that's God. one of those movies where it's like, there's going to be seven people who like that movie, but me yep. and those other six people are going to love that movie. <laughs> I'm going to be one of those six. There will be five other people. <laughs> um, let's see. I remember this made-for-TV movie called The People Across the Lake, which I saw on TV, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and it was notable because it starred uh, what's his face, uh, Major Dad for Major Dad, okay. and Valerie Harper. This is back when they made like made-for-TV movies that like had people in it from shows on the channel that it's premiering on. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it had it's Major so Dad. weird when you say it out loud like that. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what they would do. You're a sitcom star. Want to be in our made-for-TV horror movie? Because <laughs> we have an overall deal with you, and we can make you do this. So I I remembered uh, when I originally watched it. The two things I remember from it was at the opening. There's just like this moonlit shot of this lake, and somebody like rowing like a boat out in the middle of the lake and like dumping body parts out. <laughs> that's awesome. And then later, I remembered, because then, you know, people move into this house on the lake, and then uh, Major Dad goes to take a swim in the lake, and then, of course, when he uh, comes up, there's, like, an arm, like, draped over his shoulder. (laughs) So he, like, freaks out and, like, you know, swims to the shore, and there's, like, a, you know, like, an arm, like, a hand, like, holding onto his leg as he climbs up on the shore, and there's just, like, a severed arm and stuff. And that's the only thing I remembered about it. So I randomly looked it up on YouTube, which is on there, which I shared it in the group chat. So I rewatched it, and both the parts that I remember are in the first, like, ten minutes. So my guess is I watched the first ten minutes, and then my mom's like, we're not watching this, and then, like, changed the channel or something. Makes sense. So we ended up doing this movie for an episode of Drunken Zombie back in the day. And the movie for the last half hour goes absolutely batshit insane. And I'm like, how is this a made for TV movie? 
Um, it's got the guy, the sheriff guy from Northern Exposure, who's a okay. bunch of stuff. And it turns into like a mixture of like Psycho and like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and just like all this other weird ass shit. And it's just like I don't understand like how this was broadcast on broadcast TV back in the eighties, but apparently it was. So I'll supposed to link up in the uh, group so you can watch the people across the lake and just see how fucking weird it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I get to that one or not. <sighs> Sounds like the first ten minutes are great. Last, <laughs> yeah, the last twenty minutes are great. In the middle kind of probably boring. Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think it plays up a little bit of a mystery, like what happened, like who killed these people and dumped them in the lake and like all this stuff. So, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Anybody else got anything before we wrap up? Done? Done, Zoe? Uh, I did just get a message from a listener who is requesting that we somehow work the last Starfighter into a show. So I'm going to go ahead and tell him yes, because that sounds like a really good idea. Uh, I'm sure that could be done somehow. Last Starfighter and Starman. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be a great episode. <laughs> those are both great movies that really hold up well. And one of those is objectively true, and one of those is just me using my nostalgia to manipulate the facts. Well, but, here's the controversial statement of the episode. I've actually never seen The Last Starfighter, so... What in the sweet fuck, Brian? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.